you haven't turned there, go ahead and do so. Turn to John chapter 17. Today's message is going to be focused on verses 20 through 26. Today we're finishing up Jesus' prayer. And not just his prayer, but his conversation, his last words with his disciples. We've been in this passage for, for some time, if you will. So much so, we're going to actually take a break after this. And we'll be kicking off with some new sermon series here when I get back from my marathon. So next week I'll be gone, running a marathon, pray for me. That my, I still have legs when I return. But I'm uh, excited because uh, there's a special speaker that's going to be coming down. He was uh, the speaker for family camp for uh, the crew that went, went up there this summer from our church. His name is Chad Bigger and his wife, Rachel. They're actually very good friends with Friday and Karen Omont. And knew, uh, knew Friday before, before we did, before even Karen did. And they're partners with, with Friday and Karen. It was just really neat to find this out. So I'm excited to have them come down and share. And as Chad will explain, his last name fits his personality and his body very well. Well, as we finish up here, John 17, Jesus' prayer. This is called his high priestly prayer. Because Jesus himself represents us before God as a priest. He stands in the gap between us and God. His prayer is a prayer for us. As we see here in verses 20 through 26 here today. Today's message unpacks some deep truths. And so I need you to hang with me here and drink a little extra coffee, slap your face a little bit, pinch yourself or pinch your spouse, do whatever you need to hang with me as we unpack these deep truths of God's word and Jesus' prayer for us. A couple weeks back, I shared the significance of Jesus' prayer. When Jesus prays, we know God is answering because Jesus perfectly prays the will of the Father. So we today, the church, who he prays for, we, don't, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be a, 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 a body of Christ, a united body. We wouldn't be here across nations, tribes, and tongues. We wouldn't be together with one voice, with one truth, serving the one Savior, if it wasn't for Jesus' prayer and his continuing work for us. Jesus' prayer has preserved us to this point. And it will keep us until he returns. It's powerful to to lean into that and rest in that. As he told Peter, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. If you haven't turned there, go ahead and do so. Let's join with me here in reading from John chapter 17 verses 20 through 26. I do not ask or I do not pray only for these, but also for those who will believe in me through their, through the original disciples' word. That they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them. 
that they may be one, even as we are one. I and them, you and me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you've given me, they may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I have made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we come now in need of of your work in our hearts to to understand your your word, to understand the significance of this prayer and what exactly are you praying? Did you pray for us, Jesus, and that continually you pray for us, Lord Jesus? Help us to understand. Lord God, help us not to tune out. uh, we're, We're prone to being distracted. We're prone to minimizing these deep and significant and profound truths, Lord God. Let, let, let us not drift away, Lord God, because it's difficult to understand. But God, through your spirit, may, may you make our hearts alive and swell at the, at the beauty and the glory and the depths of what you want to accomplish through us and for us, Jesus. So open our hearts to this revelation, to this truth. In your name we pray. Amen. As Jesus finishes his prayer, this is the third part, if you will, uh, in his prayer. He prayed. He prayed originally for the Father to be glorified, for faithfulness. In verses 1 through 5, that Jesus would remain faithful and be glorified in the presence of the, of the Father, ultimately. And then in verses 6 through 19, he prayed for the early church, for the foundations of the church. He prayed for its faithfulness. He prayed for it to be continued in, in unity, in love. And he prays now for the entire church, all who would believe in verses 20 through 26. And he continues with this theme. I pray that they might be one, even as we are one. For those who have been reading along or following along in the sermon series, and you've read through the, the, the gospel of John here or these last few chapters, this is a repeated theme. Obviously, if something is repeated over and over, we don't want to just merely become dull and numb to it. As if, oh, I've heard that before. It should cause us to kind of step forward, to pay more attention. This is significant. Jesus started off with his disciples explaining to them, A new command I give you, love one another. This is how the world will know you are mine. But not only that, they will know that I'm God. They will know that I'm the savior of the world. Because you are different. Because there's love here expressed among you that can't be experienced out in the world. That they don't know or understand 
that they try to accomplish, but they fall so short. When they see your oneness, your unity, your love, this will tell the world, I am their Savior and their God. Jesus, as he prays here, hits that final note. Once more, may they be one. Father, as you are in me and I in them, the glory you've given me, may it be given to them. We look to the early church and immediately what happens organically through the Holy Spirit, God working in his people. In Acts chapter 2, we see the, the, the birth of God's church. And how do they organize and relate with each other? What's happening? Take note with me here. It's all going to be on your screen. And they, they, the believers, those who chose to follow Jesus, those who surrendered, those who, who, who came to follow him as God and their Savior, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were, were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing to the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. At the very beginning, the birth of the church, through the Holy Spirit, this work, Jesus' prayer, was being lived out. We see oneness at work here. We see oneness as I'm going to break it down here, in content and in character. Oneness or unity and content and character that only comes through Jesus Christ. And as a result, the world, many were being saved. Did you hear that at the end? Because of what was happening in the church, many were coming to Christ because what was happening there is different. It's profound. It's unique. They were one in content. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. This wasn't something that the apostles came up with on their own. As we've, gone, again, gone through the book of John here, Jesus has said, the Spirit will give you what I have taught you. He will remind you of all the things that I have already taught you. They didn't come up with their own ideas and, and, and teachings. They were teaching what Jesus had shown them, the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is content. This gospel message that we are broken sinners. That we left to ourselves. On a highway to hell. We want our own way. We've rejected God. But as John captured Jesus' words. For God so loved the world. That he gave his only, only son. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. There's constant, there's content, there's substance to the church, to our oneness. And that is that Jesus, 
Jesus has come to us in love because we didn't deserve love. The love that God has shown us, the acceptance that God has shown us has come at a cost. There's accountability for our sin and Jesus paid that price. There's a uniqueness of unity that can only be accomplished in the church through the gospel of Jesus because acceptance comes with accountability. In the world, the world is seeking a form of oneness and unity. They want acceptance, but they want no accountability. They want the character of love, but they don't want the content of Jesus Christ. Of the exclusivity of truth. The world wants to erase morality. They want to erase sin. I can't judge you. You do you. You be you. There's relativism that they have to try to throw away every form of belief system. And we're all welcome. You've seen the bumper stickers coexist. I don't know about you, but that's not inspiring. Coexisting? Love. Love love is so misunderstood, though. It's so distorted, though. Love isn't throwing out and forgetting and overlooking merely that brokenness and injustice, sin in this world. That's not love. Love is in the midst of that. That when you've harmed me, I choose to forgive you. When you're in the gutter, in the filth of brokenness, I acknowledge that brokenness, but I step towards you. I don't reject you. I want to help you. I don't want to just permit you to just live in that brokenness. Nor do I want to abandon you. Christ didn't do that. You see, the world recognizes something is different in the community of God because we are made better than what we could possibly on our own. We are transformed in the community of God because that acceptance comes with accountability and we're changed through the gospel, through grace. We're accepted and we know we don't deserve it. You can't have that when you erase morality and sin And everything's fine. Everything's right. You just, whatever you choose. There is no love. Tolerance is not love. It's an empty attempt to create a community that eventually will turn on itself and actually cause itself to fall apart. Only Jesus Christ can provide us humanity as a whole. And it starts with the church with the love that's necessary for oneness. It requires a person, God himself, an authority above us. The the, the world wants to erase authority. We want to make moral claims, but we don't want to, uh, we don't want to acknowledge an objective morality that makes a claim on us. Did you get that? We like to make moral claims of what's right and wrong because especially when it happens to me. But we don't like to acknowledge 
an objective morality that makes claims and has authority over us. Friends, there is no possibility of loving community, of oneness and unity without the authority of Jesus Christ. We can't trust ourselves. But we can trust him. And he showed us we can trust him because he died in our place. May they be one even as we are one. The early church lived this out organically. And it wasn't just in content. It must come through Jesus. And the content is the gospel. That we don't deserve his love, but yet he loved us. When we've received that undeserved love, then we want to give it, right? When you've experienced the grace of God, undeserved, you want to show it to others. And it comes out in, in generosity. The mission of Uh, Baja, California, that Sammy and his family have shared, where they're pouring out generously. They're not going to get anything in return back in Sheldon, but they're seeing the kingdom thrive and grow and lives change and transform because of the generosity of God that they've experienced. They want to be generous to others. The same thing here, friends. And around the world, the gospel changes our character. This oneness has particular kind of character. Led through Jesus Christ. Let me jump through a couple scriptures here. In, in, uh, jump ahead real quick. Colossians talks about this. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against the other, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you've been called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing songs, hymns, spiritual songs, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You see, all the world wants that. We, want, we love forgiveness. We love kindness, humility. These things, we love experiencing that. But it only comes under the authority of Jesus Christ. It only comes through the power of Jesus in us. The world wants to create this oneness through what they call diversity, equity, and inclusive policies. But that can't be accomplished. With the emptiness of the message, they have no power. They have no, they have no substance to bring this about. Only Jesus Christ. Galatians, Paul explains this. The result of the gospel, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Jesus Christ. Only Jesus can break down all the boundaries that set us apart and, and, and bring us together. When you look in this room here, There are tribes, tongues, and nations here just in this room, in this family, because of Jesus Christ. Not because of policies made by human beings. It's only love can accomplish this through God himself. You see, the gospel causes us to seek justice and to recognize the dignity of everyone. Men and women aren't, one gender is not more valuable than the other. 
your status, socioeconomically, financially, whatever you make financially, doesn't make you more valuable than the another. Jesus makes us one. He reminds us we are all children of God. Only Jesus can create the kind of loving community that the world is hungry for. Friends, Jesus is praying for it. Is his prayer our passion? Do we care? Or are we just showing up? And it's just about you. It's just about you get, getting by. What can you get from the church? How can the, the body of Christ serve you? What can God do for you? Friends, there's more. You are saved. God loves each of us. God loves you dearly. But it wasn't just to stay with you for you to hoard it. It's to be given for the world to be saved, to be brought into the kingdom. That happens by being in community. You can't accomplish the purposes of Jesus in isolation. It's only together that we can reflect and proclaim Jesus is the one true God and Savior of all people. Is his prayer your purpose? Is his prayer your passion? Do you need to pray this morning, Lord Jesus, forgive me for my selfishness. Forgive me, Lord. Replace my heart. Give me. Let your heart be my heart. Let your prayer be my purpose. Be my passion. Build your kingdom through me, Jesus. He goes on. Jesus, in praying here. Father, verse 24, I desire that they may be with me where I am to see my glory you've given me. Jesus, so selfless. May they be where I am. What he's talking about, it, it sounds like in the, in the present tense language, but he's talking about when he goes into glory, he's going to die, he's going to be raised from the dead, and he's going to be in the presence of the Father where he is now, Working things out for the right timing for him to return. He wants, us to see, he wants us to be in heaven with him. In the new heavens and new earth. He wants us to be in eternity with him. And he says, why? So that we can see his glory. That's a big deal. This is a big deal. To behold his glory. The glory, what he's talking about, he mentions back earlier in 17. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world existed. Jesus becoming a human being. It kind of veil, veils his, his, his full glory. It, it, it kind of mutes like, like this transparency, if you will, that you can't quite see the coffee cup, although it's glorious and delicious. Mm. His, his taking on human flesh and his human existence mutes, numbs us to some degree, veils who he truly is. We... 
this, this, this prayer on his part should bring us to our knees. One of the challenges is, is that we just, we just don't fully understand or appreciate the significance of his glory. And I prayed in preparation for this message. What, how, how do I even convey this? Because we're so numb in this 21st century with, with immediate kinds of gratification, with our digital entertainment. We're so numb to the, to the concept that there in Jesus, what we can't see right now, that there is something so beautiful, so mind-blowing in terms of pleasure and awe and greatness. Friends, there's only things that just give us a foretaste that I'm going to try to touch on here. When I was two years old, a little over two, two and a half is almost three, my family, we went to the, to the beach. My, my dad's family's from North Carolina. We went out to the beach. And to get out to the beach from the streets, there's a little kind of like a bridge that you have to kind of walk over to get over the dunes and, in, and then to get to the beach. But you can't really see the ocean until you get on top of that bridge. And I wasn't, I wasn't very old by any means, but my brain, my brain could understand something that was so massive beyond my comprehension. My parents tell me uh, that when I got up and I got to the point where I could see the ocean and it just goes, I froze. I just froze. I stood and I, and, I, and, I, and I wouldn't move because I was overwhelmed by the vastness of the ocean. Summer, I had the privilege to take Jane and take my boys out to the mountains. Now, Jane and I have experienced the mountains before, but my sons had not. It was the first time for Ian and Xander to see mountains. You can imagine me asking them, about this trip and preparing them to go and to see the mountains. And, and, and when you're in the mountains, like, again, you're so overwhelmed by how small you are and how great these, these structures are, the rocks and the ridges and the, and, and, and the jutting and the colors and the contrast. It's, it, it, it's unbelievable. And imagine talking with my boys about going out to see the mountains and, and to say, to hear... From them to say, yeah, I'd rather see pictures. I'd rather, you just show me some pictures on your phone and that'll be good enough. Can you imagine that? There's a certain degree to which that's where we live though. This world and what we experience, even in the tangible things of the ocean and the mountains and seeing that we, we would rather be satisfied with our momentary pleasures, with, with, with our, our, our temporary gratification. The things and pl- of this life, the all we experience before the ocean and the mountains as we stare up into the night sky, it's all the stars. These things are merely but virtual reality to the real thing. You see, Jesus, he's the one who created all these things. You see, in him is the fullness of all the pleasure that we get from love, 
friendship, that, that great joy and, and connectedness that we have in, in good friendship, that love in, in a marriage that we experience, that intimacy, the, 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 the awe in the mountains. All of these things are foretastes, friends, of the glory of Jesus. Take all these things and, and multiply them. Jesus is saying, God, I want them to see me unhindered, uninhibited, that their minds will forever be overwhelmed with joy and pleasure and goodness because he is, he is, not just it comes from him, he is joy, he is love, he is that pleasure, he's all those things. Friends, I've just called the repentance myself of how much I don't hunger after him. And I'm so satisfied with lesser things. This is an invitation to pray with Jesus. Like Moses prayed, Lord, show me your glory. Lord, help me to hunger for greater things and not be so satisfied. Forgive me, God, for numbing my heart, for being intoxicated with these temporary even at times the sinful things of this world forgive me for replacing the good things and not letting them be a springboard to you but being satisfied with just those good things are from you friends there is more I guarantee for every single one of us in this room, those of you online out there, there is more Jesus wants to show you. He wants to blow your mind. Even now, will you ask for it? Do you want it? Will we pursue it? It's coming. It's coming. But he wants to give it to us even now. Well, Will we just be satisfied playing in the mud? Or will we let him bring us into his palace even now? Finally, friends, he prays. As he closes out his prayer, righteous father, verse 25. The world doesn't know you, but I know you. I made your name known and I continue to do it. That your love, father, would be in them and that I would be in them. Here's the deal, friends. We will not be one. We, won't even, we will not pursue his glory or care unless, unless we are receiving through Jesus the truth of the Father. Unless we're soaking. This goes back to John 15. We're abiding in Jesus. Friends, if we're not receiving from Jesus, he's saying, I want, I'm going to make the Father known to you, to your people. So that they can experience your love. And so I will live in them and give them life. Friends, if we're not soaking, spending time, receiving the word, receiving the spirit. Friends, if we're not in it, we're not in him. It ain't going to get in us and it ain't going to come out of us. And the world's going to say, they ain't any different. They're just a bunch of hypocrites. Friends, drive us, encourage us as Jesus prays. May his prayer 
stir our hearts to pray with him. Lord, let me see your face. Let me know you. Let me make you, Jesus, my priority in knowing you. That I can be changed. That we can be changed. That together we can show the world. And friends, just like the early church, people will come and have come. And will continue to do. They will flock. The world, Worthington, Southwest Minnesota cannot continue to be the same as we live out the gospel. And let the gospel live itself out in us. May his prayer, friends, be our passion, be our purpose. Are we being an answer? Will we be an answer to Jesus' prayer? Or will we be the reason he needs to pray? Let us be God's answer to Jesus' prayer. By making his prayer our own passion and our own purpose. Amen? I'm going to invite Sammy and the team to come on down to close this out. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we come to you. Jesus, we ask, Lord God, where where we have been content with, Jesus, just give me mine. Fix me. Make my life better. Jesus, I, I, I love you. You and me, Jesus. God, you, you, let us replace our agendas with yours, Lord. You want us to be in community. You want us to be building community. You want us to be building this, this unity around you, Jesus Christ. There is content and substance, and that is Jesus. The gospel of, of your good news, of, of your love for us that's undeserved, God, that we, Lord God, can give that with others. That there is accountability that comes with acceptance, that's undeserved. So that we are changed, God. We are a transformed community. We can become better, Lord God. We can become new creations, Jesus. Because of your love among us, God. Let us be a new community. Let your prayer, God, be our passion and our purpose. We ask for that replacement. And forgive us, God, where we have cared nothing for your glory. Where we have just satisfied ourselves with all the good gifts you've given us, but we care nothing for you and your glory, knowing that that is the ultimate, the ultimate expression, the fullness of all these good gifts that you've given us is is in you, God. Lord, open our minds and our hearts. Expand our affections for you, God. Let us not be just merely satisfied with the moment. Forgive me, Jesus. Forgive me, God. Let us see your glory, Jesus. Let us hunger for your glory. Fill us, Lord. We need you. Fill us. In your name we pray.